0: At the end of Chapter 8 in When You Trap a Tiger, Lily had been lying in bed with her Halmoni, who had told her how she had been uh, in Korea, she had grabbed all the bad stories, the stars, and put them in jars, and then how she carried those jars with her from Korea to the United States. So now we're reading chapter nine. My dreams are filled with tigers. When I wake up in the morning, I lie next to my sleeping Halmoni thinking about her story. Questions thunder through my mind. What stories did she steal? I'm curious, and part of me wants to hear them, even if they're dangerous. But I have more important questions like, did I really see a tiger? If so, I'm pretty sure it was the one that's haunting Halmoni. We have to do something about that. We can't just wait. We need a plan to protect ourselves. There's no chance I'm falling back asleep, so I slide out of bed and pad out of her bedroom into the living room. The clouds block the sun outside and paint the house gray, and the living room is so silent that I'm surprised to find mom sitting on the couch. She's turned slightly away from me, body curled around a half-full mug of coffee. The steam dances and floats up to kiss her face, but she doesn't notice. I realize it's been a long time since I've seen Mom so still. She's always moving. Right now, I feel like I've captured a precious moment. I want to take it and hold it close to my heart. She's staring out the living room window, but there's nothing to see except the vague outlines of trees and a few houses in the distance. I step toward her, and the floorboard yelps. She flinches. Hot coffee sloshes in her mug, threatening to spill over. Lily, you scared me. You're so quiet, always sneaking up on me. Oh, I say, it's not like I meant to sneak up on her. Sorry. She just smiles. How are you? How did you sleep? That's too complicated to answer, so I nod in response. And I guess a nod is good enough for mom because she doesn't push it. She plunks her mug on the coffee table as she stands. And when she does, I notice she's dressed nicely in a button-down shirt and work pants. Are you hungry, she asks. No, I say. What are you wearing? I've got a job interview this morning, she explains, as she clatters around the kitchen. We've only been here for one night. Most moms would want to settle in and unpack. But of course, my mom's already got an interview lined up. She worked as an accountant back in California, and she worked a lot. But I have to make you something, mom continues. You really should eat. How about leftover rice cakes? No, thanks, I say. I was actually wondering about. You sure? She asks. They're good heated up. Did I ever tell you that Halmoni used to sell her rice cakes when we first moved here? Everybody loved them. I step forward. Really? Mom rarely talks about when she was a kid. What about tea? Would you like some tea? I can get you some. Mom opens a cabinet, then stops, hand hovering in the air. Right. Halmoni moved the mugs to the other side. It was different before. She grabs a mug from its new home and starts making a cup of tea. Even though I don't really want one, I don't like tea. Mom, I say, hesitating, trying to sound as casual as possible. Did Halmoni ever tell you stories when you were little? Stories that seemed impossible? Mom frowns. Oh, I don't know, maybe, but I was never a big reader like you. I liked to get outside and play, so I didn't really have the patience for stories. Oh, I get a feeling that happens sometimes, like something's wrong with me, but I push it aside. But did she tell you stories about her childhood and stuff? Mom's eyes get far away, like when she was staring out the window, She never talked about her time in Korea much. I know she grew up poor, in Aurora Village, miles away from Seoul. I know she lived alone with her own Halmoni. I know her mom moved to the States when she was very little. Halmoni tried to find her when she moved out here herself, when I was just a baby, but I don't think she ever did. I meant more like, except how do I ever explain this? did you ever find stars hidden in jars did tigers ever chase you never mind mom takes a breath and blusters a smile on her face anyway you should meet some kids in the neighborhood i have some high school friends with kids your age I can set up a play date. Mom does this when she wants to change the subject, just abruptly switches topics and acts like we were talking about it the whole time. I don't bother explaining that play dates expired about six years ago, and I don't explain how hard it is to make friends. Some people, friends just stick to them. Like Sam, even though she's mean sometimes, she always has a cloud of people around her. She has infinite texts to respond to, but I've never been a sticky person. I've had a few friends and a group of girls I hung out with for a while. Sam said they were QAGs, quiet Asian girls like me. But eventually, they just floated away. They were never mean or anything, but they just forgot to invite me to things, like they forgot I existed. They didn't stick. And I guess that's okay. That's just my invisibility. I'm heading to my interview now, Mom says, but you should get out of the house. Get some fresh air. Maybe go to the library. You might meet some reader kids there, and you love libraries. I like libraries, I guess, but I don't know where she got the idea that I love them, especially when I used to hate the one across the street. When I was little, I refused to enter it. I'd sit on the steps while Mom and Sam went, and I'd wait for them to bring me picture books. Mom didn't understand why I was so afraid, because the library looks like a cute cottage placed right in front of the forest. The door and window frames were painted in bright, colorful patterns. But I told her, It looks like the gingerbread house from Hansel and Gretel. I guess she's forgotten about that. A flash of annoyance flares up in me, but I shove it down. Yeah, okay. Mom looks relieved. That's great, Lily. You're the best. Have I told you you're the best? She sets the tea in front of me and ruffles my hair. Have fun at the library, okay? She leaves, slamming the front door behind her, and I sip the tea I don't really want. It burns my tongue and tastes like earth, but it sends fire down my throat and wakes me up. And I'm angry, because sometimes it's like she has this whole other lily in her head, and almost me that doesn't really match the real me. I don't like tea. I don't love libraries. And what if I'm not the best? How would she know? It's not like she's paying attention. I get up to pour the tea down the sink, and the swirl of brown water thrills me. It feels reckless and wasteful, but in a good way. I drop the mug in after it, only with too much force. The mug cracks. For a moment, I stare at the crack, and something opens inside me, something big and gaping, a black hole that's a little too scary to look into. As quickly as it came, my anger leaks away. I don't know what got into me. I take the mug and bury it in the trash, all the way at the bottom of the bin, where nobody will find it. Then I change into jeans and a striped t-shirt, and I braid my hair without bothering to brush it. I pull on my raincoat and head across the street to the library. I'm not a little girl anymore. I'm not afraid of Hansel and Gretel. I'm not afraid of fairy tales. And I don't think I'll find any reader kids there, but maybe I'll do some research. If a tiger is hunting my grandmother, I'll find a way to protect us. Chapter 10. The steps leading up to the library are lined with cracks. The windows are tinted and the roof sags just a little, like it's tired. It's hard to imagine this is the same gingerbread library I was afraid of as a kid. All that magic has faded. When I reach the doors, I tug once, then again, and just when I'm wondering whether it's locked, the building finally lets me in. Inside, it smells like mildew, but it's warm. An older man, sitting at the front desk, looks up from an ancient computer. Thin wire-framed glasses perch on his nose and a thick, white mustache twitches between his pink cheeks if he weren't frowning so hard he might look a little like santa claus may i help you he asks in a way that says he doesn't really want to help me he crosses his arms over his chest wrinkling his cable knit sweater so no evil witch but a grumpy santa is pretty close Mmm, that's okay, I tell him. I'm just looking. He stares at me, and I'm not sure what to do. For a second, I wonder if I'm not allowed in the library, but that's ridiculous. It's a library. You, You have a card, he asks. I'm not sure what he means at first. Oh, right, a library card. Um, no. I set up to the desk. I step up to the desk even though he kind of scares me. His bushy eyebrows knit together and he seems to be waiting for something, but I'm not sure what he needs. I'm Lily, I tell him. Lily Reeves, my My grandma lives across the street. I just moved in with her. His eyebrow quirks up and he nods once, in what might be approval. He's still frowning, but less so. You're Acha, Acha's granddaughter, he confirms. I'll put your card under her account. I thank him as he types my information on his clacky keyboard. Good woman, he says after a few moments. Shock to this town system when she moved here, that's for sure, but I owe her. And Joan, your mother, followed her everywhere. Oh, I say, I'm not sure why he owes her. I'm also not sure about mom following Hamoni everywhere. I tried to picture that, but I can't do it. They're just too different. He scans a red library card and hands it to me. Goodbye, then. Oh, I repeat, taking the card and slipping it into my pocket. Um, actually, I'm wondering if you have any books about tigers. He frowns, moving to the computer. Is this a summer school project or personal interest? Personal, my mouth says it like a question. He grunts. Not very often that kids these days use the library. They think you can find everything on the web. Yeah, I say, because I'm not sure how else to respond. I'm guessing most kids these days don't have a magical tiger that's hunting their grandma, because I don't think googling magical evil tiger would get very good results. Somebody groans behind me, and I turn to see a girl about Sam's age, with medium brown skin, freckles, and curly hair, pushing an empty library cart. Joe, are you really kids these days in this poor girl? I am not wrong, the librarian, Joe says. The girl shakes her head at Joe and sticks her hand out to me. Hello, welcome to Sunbeam's world-famous library. I'm Jensen. When I shake her hand, her grip is strong and warm. The splatter of freckles across her cheekbones seems to dance as she smiles. Hamuni always says freckles are lucky. This is Jensen, Joe adds unnecessarily. She is my employee. Jensen laughs. What an eloquent introduction. Now that you know all there is to know about me, what's your name? Lily, I tell her. She smiles. Well, Lily, nice to meet you. Have you been here before? I shake my head and her smile grows even wider. Cool. "'Honestly, most people in this town probably haven't. We're looking for ways to drum up some life in the place, remind people we're here and such, but, well, who knows?' She shrugs, then leans over Joe's desk to read his computer screen. "'Tigers, cool. Come with me. I can give you a tour and show you the wildlife section.' Joe returns to his computer, and I follow Jensen through the stacks of books. Spoiler alert, the library is pretty sparse, so the tour won't last very long, she laughs. This girl is quick to smile, quicker to laugh. As we weave through the aisles, I'm reminded of Halmoni's basement. Before she moved all the boxes and cabinets upstairs, they used to form a maze of memories. I breathe in. Jensen turns to me. Are you new in town? I tell her I've moved in with Halmoni, and she grins. I know your grandma. Everyone loves her. Really? She tilts her head, looking a bit confused. Yeah, of course. She's like super nice and interesting, and she always wears the best clothes. I feel a rush of pride because, of course, everybody loves Halmoni. They should love Halmoni. But at the same time, weirdly, my chest tightens. I don't know anything about Halmoni's life in Sunbeam, Aside from my early years here, I've only known her in California. And in California, she was there just for us. She was ours. The jealousy that bubbles up startles me, just like my anger at mom this morning. I don't like it. These are feelings I shouldn't be feeling. I refocus on Jensen, who keeps talking. I tutor for middle school language arts, so if you're ever looking for help, let me know. My voice scratches when I speak, like it always does when I talk to strangers. Yeah, okay, thank you. The tour ends with a small room in the back of the library. Inside, I see a mini refrigerator, a cupboard, two chairs, and the back door of the library. On the wall by the door is a faded poster of a cat hanging from a tree with the words, Hang in there, written in white bubble letters. I don't know who put that up, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Joe. This is the staff room, Jensen explains. But I always tell my trustees, they can, my two teas they can come back here. This room is chock full of sweets, and everyone could use some sugar. She pulls a chocolate cupcake, cup, cupcake out of the refrigerator and hands it to me. Flash fast, my childhood fear flares up. Hansel and Gretel were lured in by sweets, but I shake away my panic and thank her as I accept the cupcake. Jensen leans in and lowers her voice. I'll let you in on a secret. Joe made it. I raise my eyebrows and she laughs. I know, right, she says. He doesn't seem like the baking type, but don't judge him too harshly. He's not so bad once you get to know him. I always say that Joe was like a metaphor for this whole town. Kind of a bummer on the outside, but really wonderful when you dig a little deeper. I get the sense that Jensen is what mom calls an unrelenting optimist, but her happiness is infectious. I smile and take a bite, and the chocolate lights up my whole body. It's really good, I tell her. For some reason, the cupcake reminds me of Halmoni's rice cakes, even though they don't taste similar at all. He could sell these. She gives me an odd look, and I'm instantly embarrassed. I don't know why I said that. Halmoni may have sold her rice cakes, but she did it because she needed money when she moved here. Jensen grins. That's a brilliant idea, Lily. Oh, okay, I say. I can't tell if she really means it or if she's just being nice. Anyway, she continues. Feel free to sneak some whenever you visit, and I hope you do visit. It, it gets a little lonely around here. I like Jensen. She's nicer than I thought teenagers could be. She is basically the Auntie Sam, and I don't know what exactly she sees when she looks at me, but I know she sees me, which feels nice and also a little itchy. Jensen leads me over to the wildlife section, and I flip through the tiger selection. It's pretty dismal. 102 tiger facts, and 102 more tiger facts. I skim them, looking for any information to help. Something like, there's a certain breed of tiger that can magically disappear. Or, if a tiger is hunting your grandma, here's how to stop it. But what I get is, a tiger's canine tooth can cut through bone. If you look a tiger in the eye, it might be less likely to kill you. But beware. The roar of the tiger has such a low frequency that it can paralyze you. I push the books back onto the shelf. This isn't what I need, and it's not making me feel so great about being hunted by a tiger. Actually, I swallow. Nervous now. Do you have any stories about tigers? Jensen twirls a curl around her finger. Well, we have the Narnia books, although I guess that's a lion. Do you have any stories in mind in particular? Maybe you can give me a better sense of your tastes. Obviously, I can't tell her about the magical tiger and the stolen stars, but I can tell her Halmoni's original tiger story. I give the shortest possible summary. Well, there's this one story about a tiger, and he eats um, a grandma, and then he dresses up in the grandma's clothing clothing, and tries to eat her granddaughter's, and then he chases them and... That sounds like Little Red Riding Hood, Jensen interrupts. No, that's a wolf, I say, and this story is from Korea. She runs her finger along the book spines mindedly. I've never heard the Korean version. Isn't that interesting, though? There are different versions of certain fairy tales from all over the world, even in places that don't overlap. And yet, the stories are essentially the same. I want to explain that this story is completely different, that this is a story about sisters and the sun and the moon and a tiger. It's special. But Jensen continues, it's kind of like these folktales have a mind of their own, like they're floating around the world waiting for somebody to come along and tell them, my insides go icy. I imagine that the stories Halmoni stole are alive, locked away somewhere, desperate to escape. Right, I whisper. I doubt we have a book of Korean folktales in this library, though. She raises an eyebrow. To be honest, this town is pretty white, so you're not going to find much about other cultures. Like sometimes I pick up waitressing shifts at the only Asian restaurant in town, you know, Dragon Time. And I know it's a pretty cheesy name and there's no time in Asian food, but that's just the town we live in. She clears her throat. Anyway, I'll ask Joe to place an order for a book of Korean fil- folk tales, depending on the budget. I stop listening because out of the corner of my eye, I catch a flick of a tiger tail. A flash of orange black disappearing into the next aisle. My heart stumbles. The superpower of invisible girls is to hide, to disappear, to stay out of trouble. That's what I'm good at. Run away, I tell myself. Hide, but my legs ignore me. I'm already moving down the aisle as I stammer to Jensen. Actually, I think "Mm, there might be a book over there. I chase the tiger, winding through the aisles, following glimpses of its tail, until I slam right into a blur of black and orange.